here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.4 FM in Durban. Sport tracks on SAFM with John Herica. Saturdays, 7 p.m. till 10 p.m. All right, let's get into our first chat this evening. We're talking to sports scientist Gerard Kutsia joins us on the line. Gerard, how's it going? Hi, John. Nice always you, you we we asked you on the show for the importance of sport it's one of the things we've been doing here on the show for well since it started just why sport is important in everyday life so yeah. in in twitter speak what's it 240 characters now why is sport important john you're asking me the impossible but <laughs> in a nutshell it's this sport unites you know in my opinion mm-hmm. Politics divide, if I can make it as simple as that. So I think in this era of global lunacy, because I do think that's what it is, I think it's so important for people to get back out there, even at a grassroots level, and start competing for the health benefits, for the social benefits, for the community benefits. And, you know, there's numerous studies. I would would love to discuss one specific study with you tonight that was done successfully in Finland, Mm -hmm. which proves this, which shows you firsthand what needs to be done to change communities and the importance that sport plays in that. Okay, before we get into that, uh, the one thing you say is we need sport now more than ever in our history. Explain why. Well, I think that people are more divided than ever. So, to me, you know, it's, it's one thing that's very, very sad in today's current uh, environment is that we can be discussing a certain topic, whatever that might be, and we actually agree on the outcome, but we might have different views on how to achieve that outcome. But people have lost the ability to reason and to listen to each other. And I find that the more that we actually get back into our communities, and the best way to do that is through sport and social and play. Mm-hmm. That's where you get to learn, get to know people, get to connect with people on a human level. The more we'll get back to actually listening to each other and hearing each other speak. Let me play devil's advocate. I remember playing rugby in high school. We, we didn't really like our opponents. I guess, you know, I was listening to the topics that you want to discuss tonight. I think a lot of that depends on the platform. Right. So, yes, when we're playing at a, call it an amateur or a club level, maybe into sports at school, maybe the, the rugby guys and the cricket guys or the hockey guys are kind of sitting on opposite sides of the fence. Yet when we play for our school or our club or our country, we can very, very quickly unite under one banner. Right. And to me, that's the beauty of sport. Okay. So there's nothing wrong with a little bit of banter and a little bit of rivalry. That's beautiful. That pushes <laughs> us all to be better. But at the yeah. end of the day, when you watch your team, uh, or you watch your country, even if you're not a cricket fan and we're playing against another country, you support your country. That's what we do. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, we, we have these little pockets of unification in the country when we have uh, the Springboks, for example, or the Proteas go off and play and we bring a trophy back. Uh, yeah. But but as you say, there's always somebody that seems to want to divide. When the Springboks go off, then something raises its head. Or when the Proteas go off, somebody has to say something divisive. You almost wonder why they do that. And that really gets me upset. So well, there was an article written in the last week or two on an SA Rugby magazine doing exactly that. Mm. And then as a fan of the sport, you've got to sit there and go, we're world champions. Inside the team and the players, they've overcome these obstacles 99.9%. If you sit in the stadium, the fans have overcome all of this. We're there supporting our team, supporting our country, and then some guy will pick on the 0.1% and 
turn it into a negative conversation. And then people's emotions flare up because, of course, I've seen the moment people get emotional, they don't listen to each other. Mm. They don't hear what the other side has to say. And that's so unnecessary. You know, it, to me, society and sports like raising a child. You don't raise a child by focusing on the 2% of stuff that they do wrong. You build your child up by focusing on all the good that they do. And I think that's the point that people miss. There's so much beautiful stuff out there, so much cohesity brought by sport. That's what we need to focus on. Karakatsia, explain why, and, and you, you say that the values we teach our youth uh, all come from, well, they can be seen in sport, I guess, as a microcosm. Explain that. Yes. So to me, sport in a large extent reflect life. And I think many of us listening tonight and listening to your shows are sports fans or sports people who explain sport at some point in some of our lives. And I think we'll all agree that you get to test the true character of a person on the pitch, especially when that person is losing. And that's where the real life lessons come in. So, you know, as, a, as somebody that operates in coaching, I've been asked by parents over the years, what sport should my kid do? Mm. And there's a long answer. We can have a five-hour conversation about that. But to me, importantly, is firstly an individual sport. Because an individual sport teaches you what life teaches you. Which means if you want to be successful at anything out there, nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody else is going to pitch up on track and run for you. It's up to you. You put in the hard work, you show the grit, the determination, the character, and you will reap the rewards. Now, very seldomly do I hear our leaders in society these days echo those most basic values. And that's on an individual level. And I always tell parents, let your kids do a team sport because that's how you learn how to deal with other people. Not everybody in your team is going to be a nice guy. Learn to see, to deal with the good guys, the bad guys, uh, guys on the other side of the fence. That's all social skills that, yeah. again, we need to be successful people in life. Oh. And I almost feel it, it for me, it was the, the worst guy on the team. You, know, you you always feel like, uh, what? why are you on the team? And you get angry with him, but then you realize you're all in this together. It's 15 or 11 or 10 guys in the field that have to work together. I think that's fantastic. I mean, a while back I was working with a junior team and they were playing in a Northern Harting uh, game at Loftus. And walking onto the field, I could recall memories from my teammates from decades ago. Some of them were not alive anymore. And those are the things that stay with you and form your character and the way that you treat people mm. for the rest of your life. So to me, sport is just so crucial. I, I, yeah, I'm just thinking now, Donald Trump is famous for cheating at golf. It says a lot about the man. It's, it's yeah, that, that's the I view. Yeah, there have been many books reports about how he cheats at golf. So uh, <laughs> it's 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 also a reflection on on the person. When you see somebody cheating in sports, then it reflects badly on that person, and you, and you see them differently. It's an interesting view as well. Well, it it is. I mean, even in business, you know, golf is that one beautiful game, and I'm quite involved with it. We, we know that a lot of business happens on the golf course. Why? Mm. Mm. Not because it's an old boys' club. It's because they you can put the guy under pressure. You can try to shake him a bit. You can see how he responds right. and see what is the true character of the man or the woman, for that matter. Good point. All right, let's talk about this Finland survey. Wait, uh, tell, what, why did it stand out to you so much? Well, because I actually went to Varsity and studied this even way before the survey. So we always believe this. And there's been multiple studies done all over the world, but they always tend to focus on a specific group. So... You know, one of the studies that I read during the week was 
paddleboarding in Australia and how to get more people involved in that community. And you know, so it's it's way too pocketed. It wasn't broad enough. It didn't really study the impact of sports holistically on that entire society. So the Finland study was fantastic. So just for the guys out there that are not aware of this, Finland had one of the highest, uh, call it social ills, substance abuse rates in young people in the world in the late 90s. And you know, that's not long ago. That's 20, 25 years ago. And what they then did is they said, well, young people had a tendency to look for that high, to try to get that rush. And you see those societies the world over. So if they don't have a healthy outlet, then that leads to maybe getting involved in drugs, maybe joining a gang, all of these other negative things which leads to that high. So what the Sims did very well in comparison to the U.S. or here by us or anywhere else, they did not just go and preach to children, say, don't do drugs. They actually sat the children down and gave them a healthy alternative. So what they said to every child is, whatever it is that you want to learn will help you, whether that's music, whether that's dance, whether that's martial arts. Now, I understand Finland is a small country and they have considerably more resources than what we do, but we can do that quite effectively at a grassroots level by just getting involved. Like I said, start your touch rugby league, play street soccer, cricket, do whatever you need to do. But what this study showed was over a short period of time that the moment they brought structured play back into that children's lives, got the parents, the healthy families involved, that the substance abuse disappeared. Hmm. They now have the lowest substance abuse problem in the world, the most huge. And they're giving that all to sport? It's two things, really. It's sport and it's family values. And um, that's one thing that concerns me in the world right now is family values. You know, people are being taught that, you know, very negative terms will be thrown around about nuclear families and traditional family values and all these things. But the bottom line is this, where parents are not involved in their children's lives, where that responsibility is abdicated to the state, those communities just go down at an mm-hmm. alarming rate. So what Finland also did was they had the parents of these kids sign a contract that said, you will not let your kid go out after 10 o'clock at night. Hmm. You will take responsibility for your child. And that, in combination with a healthy outlet, with giving these kids the opportunity to play in teams, whether it was football or whether it was, you know, wall climbing, whatever that kid wanted to do, he had access to. And that changed that society in really in, 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 in social terms overnight. My guest is Hero Kutsia, sports scientist, joining us here on Sport Tracks on SAFM. Uh, you say one of the, what I don't think you said, I think this is a quote from the survey saying, uh, the way the country achieved the turnaround is radical and evidence-based, as you say. It's relied on lots on, a lot on what might be called termed enforced common sense. I love that. Absolutely. <laughs> it makes ter- termed enforced common sense. In other words, don't be an idiot, but they enforced it. Well, that is it, isn't it? And isn't that what sport teaches you? <laughs> if you have two young teams on the field and the one kid acts out, what do you do? You discipline him. Now, suddenly we're in a world where 25 and 50-year-olds are running around doing what they want and what they can, and they go, well, that's okay. Mm. No, it's not. If we had that kids on the sports field teaching them basic life skills, that would not have happened. <laughs> The role then of sports coaches and and uh, let's just use the word coaches that becomes very important because then they are becoming, for lack of a better word, the the, the de facto parents when they when the kids aren't with the parents. 
that's it's one hundred percent true. You know, it, you can think of so many things across multiple you know um, industries of study or speciality. You can think of simple statements like "takes a village to raise a child," mm-hmm. or you can really look at what happens in many of our rural communities where the fathers are maybe absent for a variety of reasons, could yeah. be working far away, could be whatever the social ill might be. And the bottom line is that there's an authority figure that meets with that child three or four times a week that he can look up to, that's teaching him or her basic principles, basic life skills, how to act, how to behave. And it's all about positive reinforcement at the end of the day, isn't it? Whereas As- now negative actions get them attention. Has the coach Absolutely. been trained? Has the coach been trained in that, or has the coach just been told, "Well, go run around the field"? Because when I was at school, that's what my PE teacher did: go run around the field and shut up, Kerika. Well, I think here's me tipping my hat to some of the professional sporting organisations. When you, for instance, as a coach now, want to get involved in Billy rugby at school, there's actually certain courses that they force you to go through and right. have box smarts and all of these types of things. So they they definitely are working with people in terms of. And there's a code of conduct of how you need to behave and how to pick up, you know, the self-esteem of the children and how to handle, you know, parents that behave badly next to the field. So I think the larger sporting bodies have done that. The problem with that is that reach isn't far enough into our community. So it really lies in the hands of the sporting fan to go, I can, no matter where I live, I can get the kids together and we can play football after school three times a week or whatever the case might be. And that's where you start making a difference. Yeah, you see, the, the immediately, <laughs> I'm such a cynic. You, you think, well, that's great, and it works, and you hear the good news stories. As you said, Finland turning things around. I've seen, is it Velikaya in the Western Cape turning kids' lives around, and you hear these great stories. But then you also see the story about the U.S. gymnastics uh, team, where the coaches were just horrific, abusing the girls, the doctor abusing the girls. And then you think as a parent, like, just do I really want to send my kids to what could be an abusive area? So that brings us to what is the second successful part of that Finland study, which is the involvement of the parents and the family. Don't just abdicate responsibility. So, you know, I've got to say, where the heck were the people of that family when those children were abused by coaches? You know, I'm a father of three. My old, my son is 16, my youngest daughter is four. Mm. There's absolutely no way that that would happen because I'm involved in my children's lives. I know that sounds maybe a little bit egocentric and maybe I'm way too confident in saying that, but <laughs> honestly, be involved. So so when he or she comes home and says, Listen, I had a bad experience, you're gonna you're gonna find out why. Oh, that's it. I mean, I had a bad experience with the coach, luckily nothing to the severity that these kids experience. Mm. But you know, you voice it to your parents and your parents act or don't act and that again builds trust in your elders and your leadership structures and so forth. So Yes, the responsibility here lies with us as adults and in exposing our children to positive forms of activities while still being involved. So it's not good enough to go drop your kid at the tennis coach three times a week and think you've done your best. That's not good enough. What about parents? And let's talk about the parents for a little while. They... You know, some parents live vicariously through their children, push them through. I know my son didn't want to do karate. I almost had to force him to carry on doing karate. Where do you do that balance where a kid doesn't want to do a sport anymore and they're bored or whatever, and you say, well, you must carry on because you're getting these life skills? They don't understand life skills. Well, that's a very, very good question, John, and it's a very difficult topic. And it, it's, it, there's, no, there's no golden rule that I can state here. Um, Myself, personally, one of the sports that contributed to my life greatly over the years 
and that I've had the pleasure of coaching and taking kids up to international level was actually karate. And yet, when I just started karate, I absolutely hated it because <laughs> I had a terrible sensei. Right. And then three years later, thank goodness, that guy went through some trauma and we had a fantastic gentleman that took his place and I created a great love for the sport. Mm. So my first thing is, is that different co- coaches will will have a rapport with a different type of child. And that doesn't mean that that specific coach is a bad guy, but if he doesn't enjoy, he or she enjoy a certain club or a certain coach, don't give up there. Try different coaches with different coaching styles because they work for different children. You know, I'm still involved in the martial arts and people ask me all the time, okay, so what makes you good? I don't know, no, it's not about that. Bring your kids to my class here if you enjoy it. But try all the other instructors, I don't care. It's such an important sport for me that I want your kid to do it, so get him to somebody that he enjoys. So that's crucial. So to answer your question, yes, listen to what your child says and look at what fits into their personality. But at the same time as a parent, challenge that child a little bit. But that's the way that you as a parent grow your child and grow your skill set. You can't just always do what we're comfortable and you know, happy with. Uh, we got uh, two minutes to wrap this up, Karakutsia. Just uh, the last thing you say here, and I, I think it's wonderful, especially now with lockdown and you know, we, we're living these lives that we're not really sure what's happening in six months' time or tomorrow. Forget about six months or three years from now. You say, yeah. ask yourself if every action you take is improving your life and the lives around you. I think that's such a short, simple explanation of just be better. Well, that is it. You know, so almost act in your community the way that you would act to your fellow teammates on the field, wherever that might be. And so many people are, and you know, you said about what do athletes have the right to do on mm. what platform are they allowed to speak? Mm. If you ask yourself that simple question, is my actions with what I'm doing now bringing positive attention to my cause or negative attention? Is this making a positive change to my team, my family, my people and my community? And if that's not a resounding yes, then no, the answer is wrong. Then you're doing the wrong thing. I like it very much. Kara here. thanks for opening our eyes. Sports scientist joining us here on Sports Tracks. You with SAFM? It's 20 minutes to 8 o'clock.